Did you ever wake up and say I was born for more? Well, the answer is yes, you are. We live in a world where we're faced with everyday challenges. This podcast is created for you, the listener, to hear a story of captivation and motivation to bring you to your fullest potential. We welcome you to be a part of this transformation. I am your host, Melissa Alves, but my friends call me Melly with the power within where together we can discover your greatest purpose. So welcome back to The Power Within. I have our guest speaker, Corey Gullick. He is a proud father of a 15-month-old beautiful little girl and a husband. He, He has been born in Detroit and currently resides in Texas. I'm so excited to have him on board so he can share his testimony. And welcome aboard, Corey. (laughs) What's going on, Melissa? Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you for taking your time uh, out of your day to to come along and the power within with us. Yeah, not a problem. Anything to support you. Thank you. Thank you. So tell tell me a little bit about your um, origin story and where you come from. And... uh, Detroit, Detroit, you know, like downtown Detroit, uh, St. John's Hospital back in 1982. My father was in the Army. My mother was in the Navy. I think she already was out of the Navy by the time I was born, but um, basically grew up in a military family. So we traveled a lot, moved like six times by the time I was in sixth grade, mainly like East Coast of, uh, you know, of the United States, you know, New York, New Jersey, Chicago, and mainly in Michigan. That's where my mom's family's from. So we tried to stay there. Uh, as much as possible and now like you said i'm down here in uh, fort worth texas so that's kind of you know the start of it i guess nice so you mentioned that um you were born and raised until sixth grade and living in a a military family how was that your upbringing um being raised in that type of environment you know like i mean I think it made me like a, a, a patriot, I guess I would say. Like, I love our military forces. I, I have so much, you know, love and respect for them um, because of the fact that I grew up in it. You know, and it's kind of one of those things, you know, life is all based on mindset, right? So growing up as a kid and moving basically like every year, you know, to a new school, having to make new friends, um, you know, it sucks, right? Like, sure. have to kind of like start over. Like starting over is always difficult some, or it can be difficult. Right. But the thing is, like looking back at it now, uh, you know, I'm so glad that I went through that because it helped me become what I would call a well-rounded person. Right. Like I'm I'm easygoing. I can talk to anybody because every time that I switched schools, I had to make new friends. Right. Right. And the mindset at the time is, well, you can either make friends, new friends or, you know, I hate to say it, but be a loser. Right. And have no friends. So. I always chose friends and it seemed like everywhere I went, like every school I went to, I would join like a different clique, right? So I was always on this uh, wild ride of self-discovery, I guess. So you name a clique and I was probably a part of them at one point. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that um, that at that point in time as a child, it was not um, as difficult, you know, be moving from year to year. And that you were able to ha- to create new friends in every school because that is something that um, that can be a struggle at some point in in in, um, in a child's life, you know. But you chose to make friends, and that's excellent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's what you know. You gotta make lemonade out of lemons or something, right? So <laughs> that's kind of the way I was looking at it. I guess 
I like having friends. I like meeting new people. So, you know, and I think that's a, that's a big part of it was that I had to, you know, but, right. Right. So let's, but it's kind of weird. Cause like looking at it now, like, because it was like, you know, every couple of years we were moving. Um, and now I'm 38 years old. I'll be 30. Wait, am I 38? No, I'll be 38 in February. So I'm 37 now, but I've moved like 37 times in my life. And, um, there's a span where I was moving like a whole bunch, like a couple times a year and stuff like that. Um, but now if I'm in one spot for too long, like for two years or more, I get anxious. Like I want to do something like get up. Like right now I've been in my house for a couple of years and I want to move. I want to make a move. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's weird, but. So, um, let's fast forward a little bit. Uh, after, um, Detroit and where were you? Yeah. So after like kind of growing up, my dad ended up retiring, um, in a little town called Linden, Michigan, which is just South of Flint, Michigan, which I'm sure you've heard about the water up there. Um, we were like 20 minutes, maybe South of Flint is where I lived and graduated high school there. And then when I graduated, my mom moved to Texas and basically I was on my own for a few years. Um, and instead of going to college, cause I wasn't sure if college was the route for me, mm -hmm. I kind of just free floated for a few years. Uh, my, I don't know, just crashing on people's couches and stuff, right? Like just trying to live my life however I wanted to. Um, and then I ultimately, went into automotive and I went to a school in Chicago uh, to learn automotive, just a tech school. And I ended up graduating uh, that college around the same time that all my friends were graduating like their four year university. So it kind of worked out pretty good. But, uh, and then I got into the automotive industry. I started, you know, fixing cars for dealerships. And then I got a job at uh, General Motors in the proving ground crash testing cars. And that was a really cool job. I was making good money at the time. And then that's kind of like, you know, where everything fell apart. I hit rock bottom at some point. We can go over that here in a minute if you'd like. Most definitely. So tell me how fun was uh, that job at General Motors? <laughs> Crap. Yeah, I crashing cars. You crashing know, well, cars. Funny. Yeah. You know, it's funny because like everybody that I talked to is like, oh man, that must have been so much fun. And you know, the first couple weeks is fun right but then it becomes a job and then it's like you're just doing the same thing over and over again the so, routine um, yeah, yeah yeah it was yeah. cool i got to i got to drive some cars that like never made it to market which was pretty cool um and you know i wasn't supposed to but like the proving grounds is like just basically a whole series of different roads and tracks and stuff that you can drive on and uh i wasn't necessarily supposed to drive on them but you know when you get a one-of-a-kind corvette you know, sometimes you just gotta break the rules. <laughs> I'm sure, of course. Uh, so now that we know you broke a rule, <laughs> what and it was a Corvette. Um, tell us how that ride was. Oh man, it was unbelievable! Fastest car I've ever been. It was an 850 horsepower Corvette. It was a, a prototype that was like when the ZR1 first came out. Like so, before the ZR1 came out, they had this prototype. Um, which the ZR1, I think is like 650 horsepower. This one wow. was 850 horsepower. Ooh. And there's this one hill at the proving grounds. That's like, it's like a super steep hill. It's like a 16% grade, I guess is what they call it or whatever. Um, but it's basically like straight up and it's like a quarter mile. And I started at the bottom of it and I was just shifting gears. I got to like third gear and I was doing like 150 before I got to the top. And then I had a layoff at the top because I didn't want to like launch off the top of this hill. Yeah, know? of um, course. But yeah, it was kind of crazy because like I've, I've driven other vehicles up that hill. Like I, I took like a standard pickup truck and I was doing 55 miles an hour, like 
forward, you know, going and hit the bottom at 55. And by the time I got to the top, it was doing about 25 miles an hour because it's such a steep hill. Right, and, right, uh, right. Mm-hmm. That Corvette was just, I mean, it kept wanting to go, which was awesome. Like, Dominating. Just, it was literally like a rocket. You know? or, oh, man. I just got like butterflies in my stomach <laughs> while you were telling that. <laughs> yeah. I could just imagine that thrill, you know, um, oh, yeah. of, of, of driving up that, that hill. Yep, it was awesome. Like it so gets me excited. Obviously, whenever I think about it. So yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. So now, um, after that, you um, before you mentioned something about um, an obstacle that you faced that in, in your in your life. What would what what would you say that was? Yeah, rock bottom. That's what that was. It was rock bottom. Um, so in two thousand eight. Uh, I was working at General Motors, you know, and I was making good money at General Motors. Like they throw a lot of money away there. And that's probably why they were going under. Um, mm. But I got rumors at work that they were going to do layoffs. And I was going to be one of the people that got laid off. I was actually engaged to get married at the time. Um, we were waiting. My fiance was going to the University of Michigan and we were waiting for her to graduate because we wanted to make sure that she finished her college and got her degree and all that good stuff. Um, but then her mom caught, you know, caught wind that I was probably getting laid off and basically, you know, came right out and told me like, I can't provide her daughter with the lifestyle that I, that she was used to, you know, and I was 24 years old at, at the time, I think. And, um, you know, it was really sad. It was, it was hard to hear somebody basically tell you that you're not good enough for somebody, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. so I, I basically took her advice. I, I broke up with her daughter. Um, you know, and then I, I went into like a depression, I like a like major depression. I didn't know what to do because I was young at the time, 24. It was kind of like my first big breakup. I was supposed to get married to this girl. I loved her. I didn't stop loving her. You know, I, I just figured it was the best thing for her. So, um, so we broke up and then I started going out, you know, drinking, especially on the weekends. And I was never a drinker up until that point, but I didn't know what else to do. I was looking for an answer in the bottom of the bottle, as they say. Right. And, um, got into some trouble. I ended up getting two DUIs in 30 days, which was just crazy, right? Like who, who in their right mind does that? Um, and because I got, I got the second one before the first one was actually like finalized. Like I technically don't have two DUIs. I only had one, um, because the second one, you know, I wasn't even processed for the first one, I guess. So it was kind of weird, weird situation. So but you got off the hook for the second one? I didn't get off the hook. I still had to pay all the fines and everything, but it didn't show oh. up on my record as being a second DUI. It was kind of oh, like okay. one. It was, it was weird. Um, <laughs> okay. But I actually had a, a felony charge as well because I had a weapon in my truck. Uh, basically, I had like a hot rod pickup. I had a uh, Silverado SS and I had a weapon in the center council because, I mean, I went into bad neighborhoods at the time and just for protection reasons, right? Um, but I got pulled over for doing burnouts because I was – Blowing young, off steam, as you say, right? Young, blowing out steam and doing yeah, dumb things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because at that at that point, like I, you know, I was twenty four. Like I said, I just broke up with my fiance, and I felt like the whole world was up. Yeah, you know? right. Um, and anyway, so after that happened, though, I ended up getting laid off from GM, just like I was supposed to. Um, I lost my driver's license because of uh, the DUIs. And then I ended up losing my house and my truck and I lived in this little one room apartment above this lady's garage. And it was, uh, it was weird because like, you know how garages have like the peaks, you know, like, so imagine like a room up there to mm-hmm. where like you couldn't walk standing straight up and down unless you're in the center of the room, you know, right. but I just had my bed, you'd have to I walk around. Couch. 
-hmm. I had a little mini fridge and stuff. Like they basically took like an RV home and like gutted it and put all the stuff inside of this little room. So I did have like a little stove I could cook on and, uh, and then I had a treadmill. But anyway, while I was living there, um, you know, like, I don't know. I, I had nothing else to do. I couldn't, like, I couldn't go anywhere. I didn't have a car. I didn't have anything. I was living on um, unemployment, so I couldn't really afford stuff. And I basically got to a point where I was going to kill myself. And I remember, like, the night that I was going to do it, I was sitting, you know, on on my couch kind of thing. And I made some phone calls to some people, like, basically trying to say goodbye without saying goodbye. Um, and then after I got off the phone, my brother, who was the last person I called, I remember – just thinking like, I, you know, I, I don't know why I did, but I reached, I reached out to God, you know, like, and, and up until this point, I was raised in kind of like a Catholic family. Um, but we were like, you know, the lapsed Catholics, as they say, we're basically Christmas and Easter, we'd go to, you know, church. Um, and my fiance at the time was a Lutheran. So I actually was a confirmed Lutheran for her. Like I used to go to church because I didn't want to take her away from it. Like I have always believed in God, uh, but I just never knew who God was to me kind of thing. So anyway, I'm on the couch. I was going to kill myself. And then I looked over, I got this treadmill in the side of my room. And, it, uh, for whatever reason, I was like, you know what, God, like give me the strength to do something I've never done before or kill me trying. Like that was my mindset. Um, wow. and I was like, let me, let me go and run five miles in an hour on this treadmill. And I know people that are listening are probably, you know, they'll probably laugh at five miles in an hour. That's not a big deal. But for me at the time, like I was smoking a pack a day, completely out of shape, you know, got diabetes, not eating healthy, all this kind of stuff. So I thought it would kill me, but I was kind of okay. hoping it would that way to have to do it myself. Corey, were you drinking then too? Yeah. So I was still, uh, that, well, I quit drinking at that point because I already got the two DUIs and like, okay, I, I couldn't drink anymore at that point, you know? Um, but I was going to AA. So part of the things that I had to do was I had to go to AA every single day for a year. Right. Um, was one of the stipulations of my, my court fine thing or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, so I, I looked over at the treadmill and I said, I want to run five miles in an hour. Uh, you know, give me the strength to do this. And I know that with you, I can do anything. That was my mindset. I got on the treadmill and I was running. Like the first mile was just super like physically exhausting um, because I, I'd never ran before, right? Like mm -hmm. I've, I've never run a mile before, let alone trying to run five. And then I just kept praying, you know, kept talking to God, you know, like give me the strength, give me the strength. And then you know, halfway through it, it felt like I had like, this outer body experience. So where it was like, I knew I was running on the treadmill, but I didn't feel like I was actually on the treadmill running. You know, um, a lot of runners will say, well, that's runner's euphoria or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not a runner. So that that's not runner's euphoria to me, right? But I'm trying to make this long story short. <laughs> anyway, got to the end of it. And I, like I said, I was so deep in conversation with God, like just praying and uh, I, I did like a cool down period where I walked for a little bit and I'm sitting there, I'm crying. I'm just bawling my eyes out. Um, and I, I remember kneeling on the side of my bed, just praying to God, crying like a baby. Um, and that was the last thing I remember. I don't remember getting in bed. I don't remember anything else, but I remember waking up the next morning and it was like the weight of the world was off my shoulder. You know, it was like the coolest feeling. Like I, Oh man, I get emotional like thinking about it because it was just such a, such a great great thing you know and that's kind of where i started my my actual my journey i guess my spiritual journey um and there's a whole bunch more that goes into that but so god know. touched you that that moment in time in that treadmill yeah exactly like 
you know, and, and it was weird because after that, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like I said, I mean, I was a complete loser at the time. Um, and I had, I had no direction, right. Because I, I lost my driver's license. So I, I can't even drive to get a job or whatever. Um, but I started reading. It was the first time I started reading and I read a book called the alchemist. Mm. And, um, great book. I'm- yeah. Great book. It's was, it was kind of a, a funny story because, because I was this like loser, right. I didn't have nothing to do. One of my girlfriends from school, uh, college or whatever, had a house with some dogs and she lived on a lake and she called me up and was like, Hey, you want to come watch my dogs this weekend? I'll pay you. I'll fill the fridge and you can take the boat out, whatever. And I was like, well, heck yeah, might as well. I got nothing else to do. Right. So I, I read the book. It was actually at her house and it was cool. Cause it was like inscribed to her by her dad, which was cool. Um, but basically I took the pontoon boat out with her dogs and sat on the lake and read this book cover to cover, like, in a day. Right. And if you haven't read the book, you know, it's all about like kind of seeing the signs from God and and taking you on this journey to get, to get your treasure. Right. And, um, like I said, I I just started reading, I I read like uh, rich dad, poor dad. It was like the first book that I read cover to cover. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting into like, you know, uh, just reading because I had nothing else to do. And I couldn't, I didn't have a TV because I couldn't afford a TV or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I went to her house to dog sit, I was looking through her little library and I saw this book and I was like, open up the cover. I saw the inscription on it and it said, you know, something about changing your life, blah, 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 whatever. And I was like, all right, well, so it's like a good book. I'll read this. And then, like I said, I went out, read it in, in one day on the pontoon. And then I got back. Um, and it's funny how like your brain works, right? So you always bring about what you think about. And when you put stuff inside your subconscious mind, your subconscious is going to go out there and find those kind of things. Right. So, like I said, this whole book is all about, you know, seeing the signs from God. Right. And I remember after I got done reading the book, I was hanging out, I was watching, uh, you mean Dupree, the movie, uh, you mean Dupree. And I was watching it at her house. And in that movie, this guy, I, I totally related. I forget what that guy's name is with like the messed up nose. Yeah. yeah, um, The blonde. Yeah. Yeah. The blonde. I, I always forget what his name is, but anyway, I can completely relate to him because at this time I felt like a complete loser. Uh, I wasn't living with my friends, but I mean, I might as well have been. <laughs> and um, I just, you know, remember like at the end of that or whatever, he became a, uh, a motivational speaker kind of thing. And I was like, maybe that's what I want to do, you know? And in that, in that movie, he read the book. Uh, it's not about the bike by Lance Armstrong. Right. And as soon as I got done watching it, I, was, I went to look at her library again. And then sure enough, she had that book. So no like, way. Oh. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, these are signs. These are signs. <laughs> you know, like, I, I got to be a motivational speaker. I got to you know, read this book now. So of course I read that book and it just like all these different things. And, and ultimately that's what I wanted to do was become a, a motivational speaker, be a speaker, kind of share my story like I am right now, which is awesome. Um, but the crazy part is like, so this whole period, it all happened like in a, in a one year time span. And I call it the worst, best year of my life. So it started when I hit rock bottom. And then at the end of that year, after I kind of made this decision that I wanted to be a motivational speaker, uh, my best friend's dad passed away. And he was always more of a dad to me than like my own dad was. So it was like, it was really hard for me, you know, and I get emotional. I'm going to, I'm going to try to hold it back right now. But, um, you know, I always get emotional and my buddy reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to do the eulogy for his dad's funeral, you know? And I was like, dude, that is such an honor. And, and now I'm like, I want to be a speaker, right? Like this is my, my first chance. This is my first chance, my opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll do it. 
I remember I stayed up all night. I wrote a speech for it and um, just trying to like, you know, I don't know, just trying to make a good speech. Mm-hmm. And then the next day or, you know, whatever it was, I don't know if it was the next day or the day after, but was the actual funeral. And my buddy's like, you know, if you get emotional or whatever, just, you know, let us know the, the pastor can kind of step in and, mm-hmm. and take over from wherever you leave off kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, no, I'll do it. And I, and I went back to God with it. And I was like, God, you know, give me the strength to do this because I know with you, I can do anything. Right. And I got up there, laid down the speech and it just, it was awesome. I mean, for, for a funeral, you know, like it's hard to say that it was an awesome speech or whatever. Um, right. Right. No, I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, but you, I'm sure, and you said it before you asked God to to be with you so you can deliver that eulogy. And, yeah. and when I think of eulogies, because yesterday um, we, we also were at a week, and I was thinking of the, of the life that this young um, woman had. Um, I think about the eulogy, that how you want to be remembered, and that speech um, is, is your story, you know, and your right. legacy that you want to leave behind. So I'm sure that um, God guided you and connected you to say all, all the right things and, and um, your speech was from the heart. Yeah, absolutely. And it was like, I remember after I got done, now you got like, I'll give you a quick backstory. So this guy was born and raised in that small town in Linden. And when I say small town, it was like, you know, population of a couple thousand, maybe, you know, like if that, um, my graduating class was like 200 kids. Um, but he was born and raised his whole life, like never moved, never did anything, like took some vacations, whatever, but literally knew like everybody in this town. So, so everybody knew him. Mm-hmm. His, yeah, his funeral, there was like 300 people at his funeral, wow. which yeah, was kind of nuts. Like I wasn't expecting that, you know? So again, wanting to be a speaker, trying to you know, keep my emotions in check and do this, you know, for them. Uh, and then having this kind of crowd was just like, it was a crazy experience. Um, Moving, touching. Yeah. And it was like, I remember I choked up one time and it was just because I was using that line, you know, behind every great man's a great woman. And I looked over at his wife when, uh, when I was saying that, then I only, I got halfway through it. You know, I was like behind every great man. And I looked over at her and I started kind of tearing up. And then, you know, luckily she was like, you know, you better finish that. <laughs> so I kind of chuckled and got back into it. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I made people laugh. I made them cry and uh, just, hopefully encapsulated like his life you know and afterwards i got all kinds of people coming up to me dude that was like the best speech i've ever heard can you do my best man speech can you do a speech for this can you you know and i was like you know it brought me joy at like an emotional time you know yeah of course let me tell you that um you know our life is a circle it's a circle of life. Um, when, when we're here in, in the now, okay, we have to make every moment count. And um, the hardest part is when we, the people that we leave behind, you know, that's the hardest part. So, um, but re- remembering all those great times and the memories and, and the moments that he was a, a good man to you and a great role model to you, uh, those are the moments that you treasure, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, moving forward from there. So after that, you know, I had, a, I had to stay in Michigan for at least a year. 
to finish out all my probationary kind of stuff with the, you know, all mm-hmm. the court fees and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where like my, I guess my, my love for speaking or whatever kind of right. really started. It was around the, uh, you know, AA tables. Right. Um, but after that, I, I, once I was able to leave, my brother-in-law reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to come and get a job. And that's where I'm at right now. The, the job that I'm working at was actually his company. Um, mm. And it was supposed to be kind of like a stepping stone, but it's down here in Texas. So he reached out to me and said, hey, you know, you want to come down here? Um, get a, You can work for us. You can live with us for a little bit. Get on your feet and then kind of get things going again. And that's, you know, that's what brought me down to Texas. And now I've been in this job for like nine years. And it's like, it's hard to believe. Because for those, for those first, you know, nine, eight, eight years or whatever, I was just so focused on like just trying to get my life back on track, right? Like, right. Trying to start from nothing and get somewhere. Um, and I've always had this idea of, you know, making money online and being a speaker, um, but I never took any action, right? And it wasn't until my wife and I were pregnant with our first baby, our only kid, you know, my baby, my baby girl, um, that I was like, all right, this is it. This is go time. And that was, you know, 15 months ago. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what brought me to Texas. And then now, you know, it, it's, it's so crazy how fast things can turn around, you know, cause I, I literally had absolutely nothing back then. And now I have, you know, I have a beautiful wife, a beautiful baby. I've got, you know, a couple cars. I have nice cars. I have a nice house. Um, you know, and it's, you know, that was all just hard work and dedication, I guess, but Right, right. Hey, you know, when when we get some curveballs thrown at us, we just gotta duck, 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 and <laughs> you know, or yeah. you hit, or you hit back. Um, yeah. I'm I'm so happy that you decided to um, to move forward. Be, you know, and it all started from what your friends, your friend's house, reading a book, you know. Yeah making a making a change and and feeding all that knowledge into your into your mind yeah you know i think i think for me anyway what really motivated me and and got me moving was helping others you know i think that is probably the most important thing in life is to just help others um and it was through like the alcoholic anonymous the tables right like sitting at the tables and sharing my story and I always try to come up with some cool little analogy or something that I could use at the tables to help people get out of their rut, you know? Um, and then together we, we did it right. So together we did it better kind of thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That's, I know that those, that's, I know that's one of your mottos now. Yeah. Yeah. Together we do it better. I, I completely agree with that. Um, because, you know, I mean, it, it's just a fact. Like, I mean, it is, it is alone. You can't do anything, but when you're, when right. you bind yourself with somebody else, the sky's the limit on what you can achieve. Right. So now that you're in Texas and uh, you mentioned that 15 months ago, you decided to make a change. Can you talk to us about what that change is? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I I really decided to start going full time online Um, again, like over the course of those last 10 years or wherever they were, I've always been like reading books on, you know, how to make money online or, advertising and all these kind of different things mm-hmm. uh, but never actually applying it right like right like most people right like <laughs> we get the course or we get the book or we get whatever we watch it we read it we do whatever but we don't actually do what they say to do um but yeah that, that having uh, having that little bit more responsibility with a daughter or a kid you know um 
I just said, this is it. Cause I want, I know that it's possible and I know that I would be able to free up a lot more time and, and work from home to spend with my family. That was my, my number one goal. I want to spend time with my family. Um, so anyway, started doing that, doing some research. I grew some Facebook groups pretty quick. Uh, and then all of a sudden I was getting known as like a Facebook group growth expert, even though I never took any courses on group <laughs> growth, right? I never took any courses, read any books, anything like that. Um, but I was growing groups to like a thousand members in 90 days or less. That was kind of like my, my claim to fame, as you would say. Um, but then from there, yeah, uh, I don't know. Life's just going crazy. Like it's like getting to like a supersonic speed. I, it took me like 10 years to kind of start that momentum. And now all of a sudden I grew leaps and bounds, you know, um, in the last year. So it's kind of crazy. It's like, like that bamboo tree story, right? Like you're, in the dirt for five years, not doing anything. And then all of a sudden you hit the soil, like the top or whatever, and you shoot up 50 feet. Right. And that's like, I, I just broke the surface. I feel like, and I'm, I'm shooting up that 50 feet. Woohoo! How's that awesome. feel? How's that feel? <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm telling you, it's like, it's awesome. It's crazy. It's, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it's a really crazy feeling because you know, I'll have, I got a mastermind coming up. I'm going to be a speaker on. So March 14th, 2020, I will accomplish my dream that I set out, you know. That's amazing, Corey. That is truly amazing. And what I say is when you set your mind to a dream and a vision that you want for yourself and you achieve it, it's the most satisfying feeling in the world. So I applaud you and I commend you because what you you put that seed in your heart, you cultivated it, and now it's time to boom. It's time to grow, and it's time to share, and it's it's your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That's like I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm stoked. I'm at a loss for words, kind of. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I'm very excited. <clears throat> I'm going to be sharing that live event um, with. Uh, all our audience here in the show notes. So you can just shoot me a link and I'll include it here. Awesome. Um, and that's in March, correct? Yeah. March 14th is uh, it's a Saturday. It's going to be a one day event. It's going to be awesome. I'll be the last speaker. And basically I'll be speaking on how exactly I got to that position in, in a very short period of time, you know, in basically a one year um, from when I started my online journey to actually getting on stage, you know, and with some really big name people. So, um, yeah, give us, good. give us a couple of names or a couple of topics that you'll be going over on that, um, live event. Yeah. So like the biggest name, our keynote speaker is James Smiley. He's done uh, a few hundred million dollar deals with like AT&T and stuff like that. He's grown a couple of businesses to 20 million plus in a year. Um, so he's kind of the keynote speaker. He's going to be doing all kinds of business mindset and, and great info there. Um, Blake Newbar, who's in ClickFunnels, you know, he's done over $10 million, um, through his kind of stuff. He helps people with their, with their funnels. That's what he'll be teaching. He'll be there. Um, Akbar Sheik is another three time two comic club winner. He's going to be there speaking. And then there's other people. Um, Angie Norris is going to be doing live streaming TV. Kim Dang is going to go over like softwares and, and automation for your business. Um, so I think that's, and then Colton, Croninger is another. I, I know that that lineup is going to be amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. And is going to be there too. And yeah, I, cool, so. it's like every day I keep on seeing new names pop up there, and it's <laughs> like know, it's, it's, it's it's 
it's going to be a wonderful event. Yeah, it's going to be like an awesome, awesome event, you know. Well, Corey, thank you so much for have, for coming on to The Power Within and sharing your testimony. It was it was truly um, inspiring and emotional. And I know that you, your, um, your story is going to help others. And your motivation and your and your uh, trajectory in this journey that you're that you're um on right now is is going to take so much impact and going to touch so many lives especially on that big day yeah i appreciate it and then like i said that's just the start like i got much bigger plans it's going to be awesome it's going to be a wild fun ride but uh we're going to try to take as many people as we can to the top. Yes, yes, yes. Because like you say, together, we do it we better. Do it better. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Corey. Thanks so much. And awesome. We'll Thank see you. you. We will see you soon. Take care now. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Power Within, where your story can make an impact on another person's life. If you enjoyed what you heard, scroll down and leave me a raving review. Oh yeah, and don't forget, if you're not subscribed, hit the button and do it now so you won't miss out on our weekly episodes.